Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Non-Contact Time, a podcast about all things educational. I'm Kath. I'm Hannah. And welcome to the show. Today's theme is all about sport. So Hannah, what's on the agenda today? Well, in our data segment, we're going to look at an article by Professor Jamie Barker from Loughborough University that's talking about the Olympics 2020 being on hold and dealing with the loss of sport competition. In teaching and learning, we're going to talk about teamwork with Michael, who's a teacher in America. In pupils causing concern, we've got some funny stories for you that have been sent in. And in any other business, you're going to hear from some upcoming guests and some upcoming news about our next episodes. So, Kath, do you want to tell us about what's in our data segment this week? Okay, so I've been doing a little bit of reading and there's a really great article, as you were saying, by Professor Jamie Barker about how, because the Olympics has been cancelled, athletes and people who follow sport need to deal with this lack of competition. What I think is really positive about this article is it's explaining things that you can do to deal with your loss of competition, but they could be applied by anyone that's feeling some sort of loss because of lockdown and we're talking about this today because this is the time of year we'd normally be doing sports day it's kind of a really fun time of year normally in schools and we're going to lose that kind of fun competition camaraderie teamwork feeling because of this loss of um, competition that we're actually having. So some of the things that he talks about in his article is three recommendations that athletes could apply to their lives, which I actually think as teachers and as parents and as people of the community, we could apply as well. So the three things that he mentions are looking after your mental health, maintaining social connections and setting new goals to provide daily motivation. So those goals could be really simple things like today I'm going going to go and water the garden or today I'm going to do this workout so it's setting smaller goals because it's much harder to set some of those larger goals at the moment and some of the advice that he's given to athletes is things like focusing on what we can control ourselves accepting that some sources of uncertainty are outside of our control 
accept that feelings associated with stress and anxiety are normal responses to uncertainty, which I think a lot of teachers are feeling, not just athletes. I imagine it must be really hard for athletes because they've been training for this event and then the event doesn't happen. So what's the next goal to work towards? And then maintaining a sense of perspective. It's a really, really positive article. And I think it's a really good one to read regardless of whether you're a PE teacher or just a member of society that's dealing with this uncertainty at the time. So what sorts of things are you doing, Hannah, to deal with your mental health? I have to set myself little goals and that's why at work I have lots of to-do lists and it's nice, you Mm. get a nice feeling of accomplishment when you go through those small checklists. So in my work life, I've got a checklist of things that I'd like to do by the end of the week And it doesn't matter if I don't achieve them because sometimes things take longer than others. Unexpected things come up, that's fine. But I do have a checklist of what I'd like to do. And in my personal life, because now I don't have to travel to work every day, I can afford to run and do exercise a bit more rigorously than I was able to before. So my goal is to do at least three one mile runs every week. And then obviously I'll take the dogs out and do like bigger walks and things like that. But I've seen my fitness has gone up by so much and I didn't think that was possible in such a short period of time. I thought I'm just going to be lazy forever. (laughs) But (laughs) I actually quite enjoy going out, you know, listening to podcasts while I'm running, having a bit of a laugh. And then you come back and it's all done. It's all out of the way because it was in the morning. And then I start work at nine o'clock and then work through that kind of checklist. So I feel like this lockdown experience, although it's been hard and it's, you know, it's different for different people. But on a personal level, it has meant that I've had more time to prepare stuff for work. I've had more time to look after myself. And in the holidays, I'm finding I'm doing less work. So it's good for me in that respect. But if you're a sports person and you're working towards, you know, you've got fitness goals for a certain event and that event suddenly disappears, like the students have, you know, worked and worked and worked for five years in secondary school and seven years in primary school to get up to the you know the best level they can be to do their GCSEs and all of a sudden those exams disappear it must feel a massive sense of loss for some people maybe relief for others maybe but it's uncertain times so it's nice to have something that you can work towards because it's kept me quite positive and I think it's something to take away from this experience in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting what you were saying about physical fitness, because I think when you're running around at school and you get home, it's kind of the last thing that you want to do. And we've had the conversation about fitness and teachers. And often it's one of the things that's neglected first for teachers is our fitness. I know for me, normally when I'm at school, I hit a ridiculous step count of 12,000 or 13,000 steps a day. And at the moment, obviously, I'm not hitting those step goals. So what I've had to do is think about my cardio a little bit more and try and do some cardio activities. But I've done things like running races with the little one and doing all these fun things as part of my fitness that's involved my family and I did think when this is all over I actually need to build that into my normal timetable and actually think about if I'm going to do fitness I need to include everyone and we can do it together and we'll do something fun like play football or run around or do these running races so I think that's been really positive and I agree with you on that as well and just having a different routine has been really helpful during this time some of the other things that he suggested in this article are things 
things like practicing deep breathing, using relaxing imagery or looking at relaxing imagery, engaging in mindfulness or meditation. So for me, coloring is very much that. And um, our little one has done so much coloring, listening to music or podcasts. (laughs) Get that in there. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad I got that one in there. Um, And another one is writing thoughts, feelings and worries down regularly. So um, one of the things that we've been doing in our family is rather than writing down the worries and fears, we've done things like writing down good thoughts Mm -hmm. or writing things down that we're grateful for. Yeah. So mine were things like, I'm really grateful that I get to be locked down with my tiny family and the cat and (laughs) I've enjoyed that time, our time together. Whereas the little one wrote down, I really am grateful for the Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Obviously. just don't get it all the adults are like this is great spending family time with each other and the kids are like I can eat when I want and I can play the games that I want to play (laughs) (laughs) that's very true some of the other things that he mentioned were things like maintaining social connections and I think this is one of the reasons why I think government's been pushing for schools to open their doors as soon as possible is making sure that students maintain those social connections Mm -hmm. so if you were a parent at home thinking what can I do with my child encouraging your child to actually connect with other students so our little one um he's been sending these really short video messages to his friends and they also send each other cards so they make each other little drawings and drop them off and then they'll send each other a digital message to say thank you they're so short because it's hard when they're really really young but i think encouraging Um, children to have those connections or going on FaceTime and talking to your family are really really important. So I've been ringing parents over the past few weeks and one of the parents told me that their child had been FaceTiming their friends so they'll have like a group FaceTime and Mm. they'll be doing the homework that they've all got together all on FaceTime with each other so that sounds like a really kind of nice thing to do because you're not only socializing with your friends and you know getting to see them and having a bit of normality but you can also ask for help as well I thought that was a great idea I love that idea I think that's a great idea that parents are actually encouraging students to do that yeah I hope it continues when we go back to school and they've got to do homework you know I think it's a really nice environment to be in to share that with your friends and talk about it and obviously as an educator you know that students that talk to each other and have discussions about topics it makes it embeds the topic much better and they have a more well-rounded understanding of that part of the curriculum so I think it's really important in our teaching and learning section we're going to talk to Michael about teamwork and his experiences in an American school as a maths teacher and as a coach why is sport so massive in America and how does that affect sport education? Um, on a large scale, I mean, sports is obviously a multi-billion dollar, trillion dollar business. So just the excitement of it alone uh, is a factor. But when you scale it down to the school, uh, it just has such a positive impact on the school culture and the school community. Um, it brings a sense of organization and added responsibility to the students. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just so many different avenues that can be used in such a positive way, you know, so it's motivation and not necessarily holding over the student's head, but just utilizing it as a source of motivation and keeping them the high standards, you know, having certain expectations they need to meet both academically and behaviorally 
to partake in these teams. So I just think it's seen as just good old fun. But on the flip side, in terms of a more structural approach, it's just so great, the school culture and school community. Yeah, could you elaborate a little bit more on um, how it's important to student development? Sure. Usually, I'm sure if you ask 10 students what they prefer to do, play a sport or sit in a classroom, I guess you get a 10 out of 10 that they prefer to play <laughs> their sport. So with that being said, we utilize sport in our school and most schools do obviously here as a privilege, uh, mm. as an opportunity. And in order in the classroom, we have discussions in our PD meetings and all staff meetings and it's a nice form of communication who the student athletes are and what grade point average they need to maintain how we can the proper verbiage to keep them on the right track and not just say well if you don't do this you can't play you know, it doesn't work like that um, just so phrasing the motivation correctly and you know student uh, having teachers attend the students games and seeing a teacher outside of the classroom as you remember as a kid it's like you know uh, <laughs> you don't realize they're human beings so uh, just so many different aspects that they used. So then what do you do to support and kind of foster that talent? You know we have announcements about you know what athletic teams are coming up we have uh, meetings we have you know we post flyers so we just engage the overall student body you know it's of course you want to as an athletic director you want to focus on the skilled ones and who could best help the program but what's, you know, especially at a young age, what's great about sports is sometimes you have a student who didn't even know they were talented. Next thing you know, a month in and they, they help find their hidden talents and that's just as special. So just uh, community engagement and a meeting and a simple, simple tryout, simple uh, open gym, a simple run, just to bring them in out after school. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, you have a student athlete. It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you promote sportsmanship in your job? Now, sportsmanship is everything, especially uh, in the school atmosphere. Uh, when you're representing the school on your, on your chest, you know, we say take great, you know, we're the Pumas, we're the New World Prep Pumas. So our saying is Puma pride. So we really preach uh, taking pride in representing your school. So it's one of our expectations. Our student athletes have to sign a, a contract upon uh, being selected for a team which reviews all of their expectations, both academically and uh, just sportsmanship and the way they will carry themselves. So it's, it's celebrated, you know, when the student demonstrates good sportsmanship, we celebrate success a lot at our school. And also, you know, when a student does it, we, we bring them in, we have sit down meetings, we meet with the counselors, the president, the principal get involved just to show how much we, how seriously we take it. You know, our administration doesn't just say, all right, kids, go play. It's not like a, you know, just roll out the balls, as they say. You know, we have it structured and we treat it, uh, we treat it like a Division One program. And those those values really uh, are hammered home from all different voices to our student athletes. Brilliant. So over here in the UK, one of the things that I've noticed when I've been watching sports, because obviously I'm from Australia and sport is massive there as well. There's a real culture of like bad winners and bad losers. If you had a student who was displaying those kind of characteristics, how would you deal with that? You no, know, it starts with our coaches. We put a lot of responsibility and ownership into our coaches. And what's special about usually in the school environment especially at our school, is that our coaches are also teachers. So they hold that high standard that they know we expect from them. So, you know, if an incident occurs at a game or a practice, 
Um, our coaches are uh, prepared how to handle it, just as teachers, let alone as coaches. And then if it needs to be brought up to administration, to a director like myself, or to the president or principal, we'll take those uh, progressive discipline steps, meet with the student, bring in a parent if we have to, and just continuing to hold them to those high expectations, even on what they might think is a simple bad attitude or moment on the court, on the field, we treat it as you know, very, very serious. So just following that procedural discipline action step. And I guess knowing that there's that procedure there, it's going to discourage students or athletes from actually just exhibiting that behavior, it isn't does. it? It does. It's, it's in their subconscious. You know, it's not like they're out there thinking, well, if this happens, I'm going to have to do this. this. They just, it just becomes part of the school culture. Yeah. And, and I mean, we didn't have athletics as big as we do now at our school. And we really have seen such a in positive impact, uh, how it's had an effect on the entire student body. So they definitely know it's there. Do you think that has an impact then across the school in other subjects, that kind of ethos of the work rate and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we even hear from the teachers, you know, I'm always looking for feedback, you know, how's this student doing in this class or that class? And, you know, it's not every day, it's not a perfect, not a perfect logarithm for student success and student good behavior. But it is definitely, we see it, you know, in our staff meetings, in our grade level meetings, this, our teachers are constantly communicating about students' behaviors, student uh, achievements, and how, what might work for me, is it work for this teacher, but what they do, and just bouncing strategies off ideas. So we have definitely seen it uh, across all content areas. I feel like our education system has tiers of subjects. So you'd have at the top, it'd be maths and English. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have something called EBAC, which is all the subjects like languages and geography and history. And then at the bottom is things like my subject, cat's subject, I'm music, cat's art and sport as well. And I feel like if everything was on a level playing field, pardon the pun, we would end up with um a system that works for all students i'm not sure how it works in america what's it oh that's a great point you know human nature in any organization any structure you can't help but think okay there's highs there's mediums there's lows in america we call them the core content areas math english science social studies and then we call them electives and even that term itself, electives, doesn't have that core content feel. However, we do make it a point with our students by word of mouth and meetings that each teacher, each content is to be treated the same way. You know, just because, you know, they have a citizenship grade they get in each class, one through four, which signifies their behavior, uh, how they treat others, how they interact with students. So. No, if you might have all fours in your core contents, but if you have ones in your electives, you're showing disrespect towards that teacher or towards that uh, area of study. So we, we try to mitigate that teeth, those tears that are so easy to fall into mentally as a student. So if a student wasn't showing like a good attitude in electives or core, or they weren't performing well in those subjects, are they not allowed to then participate in their sporting programs? Oh, absolutely. They apply, it applies to their overall average. And if a student receives an ART, which we call it after school reflection time, you know, we don't call it detention, uh, that's mm. the old school vocabulary. But if it's, it doesn't matter what class it's in. You know, I don't say, oh, well, you only got it in music class, so you're okay, allowed to play, you know? <laughs> Yeah, 
we tell them so that is definitely in place our students are well aware of that does it always work no um especially just in nature of that class you know in art class they have a little bit more freedom in the music class and that's just understandable but the way they interact with their teachers and their overall behavior is definitely uh not separated by by content I do like that carrot and stick approach. A lot of our students play for quite big football teams like Manchester United and they play for the like the youth team and they get told that any report that gets sent back to Manchester United or City or whatever from the school has to be a positive one otherwise they might risk getting dropped and that does I think have a massive impact on the way that absolutely absolutely you know we tell our student athletes you know we have tryouts for most of our teams. Uh, I think besides our track team, you know, not everyone makes a team. It's not like you just show up and you get the opportunity to wear the school logo. So we tell them, I said, if you don't hold up that expectation, guess what? There's a student who's waiting uh, for someone to slip up and they want to jump right in. So knowing that uh, it's held over their heads, I guess you could say, it's definitely mm. on, all, on all ages. It's has a huge impact. I like that because I've done a lot of work about the difference between boys and girls as well and a lot of boys tend to respond to that healthy competition mm. and raise their game because they have this expectation they feel like they've got to beat the next person. It's in our DNA uh, where you know much competitive that's part of the reason I am who I am because of my competitiveness in sports and you know you see you know, girls obviously have it too you know I'm sure but just something about, especially at the younger middle school age, there's just the boys have that extra edge uh, to mm. them when it comes to competition. I agree. So if you were building a team, what kind of qualities are you looking for in your team members? Beyond athletic ability, obviously. Sure. So many cliche sayings in the sports world, uh, but some of them that really ring home for me are is play for the name on the front of your jersey, not the back. You know, it's not about you. You know, I want someone who's about the we, not me. Someone who sees the big picture and that understands that they're part of a team. And that's a lot bigger than any individual. So teamwork and uh, an area that I am really, really big on. As a coach myself, I coach at the high school level. You know, I'm an athletic director for the middle school level. But something across all levels in jobs is owning your role. I want to see student athletes who own their role, whatever that role is on the team. You know, you might be the last person, the first person, but if you own your role and take great pride in it, that's a, that's a complete player in my eyes. Mm, I like that. So do you teach maths and you're a coach as well? So how, how did your time split between them? Um, my wife's an angel. <laughs> that's how my time is. Uh, <laughs> managed uh, I'm the eighth grade math teacher I'm also the athletic director there and I coach high school basketball taking each each hat you wear personally and professionally you get that flexibility and support do you have a different personality for each <laughs> I bring a little of each you know I I became a teacher later in life I actually started in the financial industry I worked on Wall Street for eight years out of college and I thought I was going to be business 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 my whole life and everything happens for a reason and at the time I was already coaching and being a coach made it an easy transition for me to, as a teacher and when I became a teacher it made me a better coach so being able to literally drive from work get changed in the car put on my basketball coaching outfit and jump to practice you know you're necessarily you're changing but you bring a little bit of you to each role but uh, there's definitely I gotta catch myself there's sometimes some carryover and I gotta realize I can't 
yell at my eighth grade students like they're my uh, high school varsity basketball team. So I got to <laughs> catch myself. But uh, overall, there's a little bit of carryover that really uh, helps shape each role I take on. It's interesting yeah. that you had a different job before teaching because I also did the same thing and I would never go back. Never. Best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, if you were to ask me when I was a student, uh, and out, if I'd be a teacher, I'd say you're absolutely crazy. Um, but I literally couldn't see my life any other way. And uh, I think it should be a prerequisite to work in a different industry before teaching because you appreciate it that much more. Uh, not just the actual act of teaching, but what goes into a school system. You know, you're part of, you're part of a team. That's what being a teacher is. And, you know, when I worked in the private sector and the financial industry, we were working for the same company, but there was sort of more of that cutthroat and, uh, you know, it's every man for himself. You know, as I talked about earlier, the we before me, uh, you get that in a school atmosphere, even from the president, the principal, down to uh, the custodial staff. Everyone has such an impact on the school and it's the best, to me, the best industry uh, to be in. Nice, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give to a trainee teacher? Be yourself. You know, I know, you know I didn't take the usual route to teaching as I just mentioned you know I didn't take all the coursework early on I wasn't you know I was literally thrown into the fire you know we were in new school at the time and principal at the time yeah go and uh, I mean it works differently for every person everybody learns differently as we know as students and adults everyone learns differently uh, but stay true to yourself be yourself when interacting with the students don't be nervous or ashamed to ask questions I asked tons mm. of questions you know when I came into the industry I already had eight years of work experience and I was starting from scratch so you know I had to ask somebody eight years younger than me uh, a lot of questions and how to be better and don't let your pride get in your way just uh, be yourself and be open to learn every single day if you're not learning something new each day as a teacher uh, you won't succeed in the long run as a teacher uh, we're constantly learning constantly developing and uh, but if you always stay true to yourself uh, the kids pick up on that you know they're not going to yeah. sit there and tell you well he's he's really true to himself but they just gravitate towards a genuine personality and kids yeah have that. they can see through falseness can't they, they can they can and you know it's such a purity of a, of a young soul and uh, sometimes when we get older we overanalyze and think we're looking through them. you know but kids just have that natural gravitation towards someone who's uh, truly cares about them and, and is in the business for the right reasons. Love that. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges working in your role? I mean, one thing I love, love about being a teacher and being in this industry is that for the most part, you don't know what you're gonna get every day. Uh, you know, as opposed to somebody who sits in a cubicle in an office and you know, they know for the most part how their day is gonna go from nine to five. As a teacher, you know, it changes by the minute, by the second. Um, so being able to manage young personalities, being able to manage young emotions every single day um, and not knowing what what personality is going to walk into the room, it's, it's got to be the, the biggest challenge. Um, but going back to what we said earlier, if you're just true to yourself and you're able to separate that and understand that they're kids and taking that step back and not getting too emotionally overwhelmed that's got to be the biggest challenge especially to new teachers like i've seen them you know and i try to sort of act as that voice because it's so easy for a young teacher uh, to get overwhelmed by that so just uh, managing those emotions uh, with the students 
So are you working from home or are you in school at the moment? Oh yes, everything. All schools are virtual at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, our leadership team is doing always doing a great job staying ahead of the curve and anticipating uh, any what-if scenario. So uh, right now we're, you know, we're virtual, we're virtual throughout the summer and we're just looking to, you know, the one thing that we're really looking to outside of the actual education portion of it is trying to get some activities or thinking outside the box for our eighth graders. Uh, being an eighth grade teacher myself, uh, I have that extra personal connection to the kid and I want them to be able to experience, you know, we always talk about getting to June, getting to June and the special moments, the graduation, the prom, the eighth grade mm. trip. So I really am feeling for my kids. So trying to think outside the box and come up with some virtual ideas for them is uh, on our to-do list. I have a great co-teacher. I'm lucky I work in an ICT setting and she's the best and we really complement each other really well. She's also a coach, a cheerleading coach and former athlete herself. So we have that coaching mindset and I want to be able to do what I do without her. I can fathom it. So uh, that time comes, uh, I'll deal with it, but she uh, she's great. You're, you, you're going to start a podcast, aren't you? Or have you already started it? Yes, uh, these last two months, I've been doing a lot of uh, brainstorming and late nights, just uh, popping some ideas together. So I'm looking to take all of my experiences in the business world and the coaching world, teacher, uh, and all my roles, and just putting it together and creating a platform to have these types of discussions with people in both industries. So the podcast is going to be called Courtside, C-O-R-T, Courtside, to and it's pretty much going to talk about everything from basketball to business and everything in between. Uh, I want to show a lot of the correlations in athletics. You know, so pretty much you know on a larger scale, but we're talking about the importance of it in the school. Uh, you, know, you see so many people in life just take what they've learned as athletes, like myself, and how I applied it to my life and what a positive impact it's had, and all the great intricacies of the game of basketball and everything that goes into it. So. Thanks very much, Michael, for being on our podcast. And we really appreciate your fantastic views and insight into the world of American education. Thanks very much. Thank you, girls, so much for having me. This was great. A lot of fun. And it's uh, always a pleasure to be able to talk about sports and education with people who are passionate about uh, this industry and really who care about the kids. And this has been a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Pupils causing concern this week, we're going on our sports theme, excuses to get out of PE. I'm sure there's going to be loads of these. And if you've got any great stories, you can keep sending them into us and we'll keep trying to share as many of them as possible. So Hannah, got a good excuse to get out of PE? Not a good one, no. <laughs> I've got some excuses. <laughs> They're not very good. As in, I don't think the teacher would believe them. But one of our teachers was coming up and talking about funny things that had happened throughout our five years at school. And he said one of our male students didn't want to do PE. He obviously wanted to get out of it. So he wrote a note to the PE teacher that said, sorry, Mr. Smith, Stephen can't do PE this week because he has the flu and it has weakened his ankle. Thanks very much, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) I love it when they actually sign it with my mum or his mum or that's always better. Yeah, (laughs) it's more real. It's more real. (laughs) More real, more real. 
That's excellent. Um, this one isn't an excuse for getting out of PE, but this is a story about a, a really poor excuse where a student got totally caught out. So a student rocked up late to one of my lessons and I said to him, why are you late to my lesson? He went, well, I was having a really important conversation with my sister. I was like, oh, okay, well, because you're so late, you're gonna have to make up the time at lunchtime. And he wasn't very happy with that, but he got on with his work all the same. Um, so at the end of the lesson at lunchtime, we're having a talk and he was desperately trying to get out at lunch. He's like, no, no, it was really, really important. It was something so important to our family. And as a caring teacher, often we try to give kids the benefit of the doubt. Unfortunately for this child, his sister came wandering in to work on her GCSE artwork. So I said, oh, your brother's just said he was talking to you and that's why he was late to my lesson. She was like, no, he wasn't talking to me. And it was just like the most perfect timing ever. So he definitely was caught out in the lie then. <laughs> I bet there are some PE teachers that have some pretty tremendous stories out there of why students. I think the classic one is always, um, I don't have my PE kit. And I know at our school, there's like a really, really gross loner PE kit. And I mean, it's washed, but it's just a bit old and faded. So if kids rock up and say, oh, I haven't got my kit, they're like, here's some loaner shoes, here's some PE kit. So you can't even use that as an excuse anymore. In our Any Other Business section, we're going to hear from James, who's going to be on the podcast next week. He's a head teacher and he's written a book called Leaving Work at Work. Here's a summary of his book. It's based on uh, you know strategies and tips that I've picked up. So there's, um, it's really short and that's intentional so that it's not going to add to anyone's workload. That would be kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to achieve and accessible in price too. Um, so it's talking about how, you know, we need to physically leave our work at work, you know, setting the time that we leave, sticking to it, not taking a laptop home if we can help it, but also the emotional aspects of it, being able to kind of process your thoughts and emotions from the day uh, before we go and dump it on our families at home. And then the mental aspect of it too, you know, we do, we do a lot of thinking work, especially leaders, um, a lot of planning and a lot of thinking different things through different strategies that would work for our schools and our children. And I think that often, even if we're at home with left books at school, left our laptop at school actually we're still doing a lot of thinking work at home which is stopping us being present with those that we care about so it's about all those things really and kind of helping people to understand that there's a lot more to workload than just marking books thanks james hannah what do you want to tell us about our patreon so we've got loads of new content on there and you get a couple of free badges <laughs> love a badge <laughs> <laughs> we've decided to add an extra part to this podcast today because we've had so many people engaging with us and listening and following us and we just wanted to thank everyone that's been involved in making this podcast really successful so hannah you've got a few people you'd like to thank yeah we've got some patreons and we've got some people who are upcoming guests on our show we've got at teach underscore music underscore ldn and that's kirst johnson she'll be coming up on the episode soon we've got heads up and then the number four and then hts so heads up is an organization as part of inspire educate and that's run by james pope he'll be coming up on a future episode and next episode we've got james and he's from wellbeing for educators and that's on twitter well the number four and educators and we've also had some nice feedback on Twitter. So we've had some messages, particularly from Russell Wellbeing. So R Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, -S -S -E -L -L, well, W-E-L-L -L, and then B-E, 
He's said, hello, just got a chance to listen to your podcast and I think it's excellent. So it's really good that we're getting all this feedback and thank you very much. We'd like to hear more of it. So please message us on Twitter, message us on the Facebook group and have a look at our Instagram and keep the feedback coming. Yeah, thank you so much for all the feedback and all the positive messages. We really, really do appreciate it. And then any suggestions that you have for upcoming episodes. So I wanted to thank all the people around the world that are listening, which is really exciting. Um, We've got a specific thank you for our listener in France who has listened to every single episode. Thank you, our French listener. Really appreciate that. Islington, big shout out to Islington, the biggest area of listenership for non-contact time, Um, but not to be outdone by Manchester and Reading, Brisbane, Charlotte in North Carolina, Sao Paulo, Glasgow, Santiago, Emerson Hill, New York. Thank you to everyone around the world that is listening and downloading our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And Hannah and I have a little bit of a competition going at the moment. There's loads of you following on Twitter, which Hannah actually manages, but not so many people on Instagram, which is the one I manage. So if anyone wants to come and look at my pictures on Instagram, I'd really appreciate it. Um, so we're having, an, we're going to have a competition to see who can up their followers by the end of the week. So you can find out in next episode who is the winner, Hannah or Kath. I bet it's going to be you, Hannah. <laughs> well, I've got 308 so far, so maybe we should have a little wager and I'll buy you a beer if you beat me or if you get more followers this week than I do. I like beer listeners, so that would be really good. <laughs> and I'll get you chocolate, Hannah. <laughs> yes, that's the best option. I'm definitely in this. After speaking in this episode about competition and being competitive, I'm definitely really competitive (laughs) oh my gosh so watch out for all the things that we start putting on our social media just so we can win a bet yeah definitely Um, thank you thank you so much everyone that's been listening we really really appreciate it yeah thank you so much it really makes my day when I look at all the comments that we're getting all the dms and especially looking at the list of people um, who listen to the podcast it's really exciting to think that we're in six countries which is madness and you know we're only three episodes in so thank you so much for everything that you've done to help us so far and all our patreons all our supporters all our lovely guests that have been on and will be coming on in the next few weeks and it's really exciting times thanks for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week bye